0: It's a special Christmas message just for you. The 139 Podcast starts now. Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome to 139. This is the official podcast of Love Times 2, and today... I've got a very special Christmas discussion to share with you. Now, I hope that you are all pumped up for Christmas. I mean, this is just a great time of year. And, you know, I realized as I sat down to record this that I probably should have had some jingle bells or something like that to play in the background. That would have been kind of cool, uh, but I don't. So I'm just telling you this is the Christmas edition. And, um, you know, Love Times 2 is all about changing the culture. So I thought today... It'd be very helpful just to kind of have a cultural discussion on Christmas, and specifically on the topic of the war against Christmas, or the war on Christmas, or the Christmas war—however you want to label it. Um, you know, this really was at its peak a few years back, actually quite a few years back, maybe ten years ago high-water mark, when there was this glowing, growing clamor, I should say, not a glowing clamor, there was a growing clamor over what was being coined at that time, the war against Christmas. And this was kind of this condensed period where there really did seem to be a concerted effort to literally scrub the name of Christ from the holidays title. Well, that's pretty hard to do. You can't say Christmas without saying Christ. So... Um, you know, it was a tough task for those who wanted to do it. But, you know, we started to see these changes occurring. And this was about the time when a lot of schools started changing the term Christmas break to the more generic, quote, winter break. I mean, that always seems kind of silly. I'm driving by a school and I see winter break. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, it's Christmas break. We all know it. Uh, but for the kids, it means three weeks off school. So I'm not sure how torn up they are about what it's called. But this was about the time when schools started to change the name from Christmas break to winter break. Now, retailers really were front and center on this whole discussion, though. Uh, not all retailers, but there were some major retailers in the United States that started to actually forbid their employees to say Merry Christmas to customers. Even if a customer said Merry Christmas, they couldn't say Merry Christmas back, at least without fear of some type of repercussion. So instead, uh, these employees were encouraged to use the safer alternatives of Happy holidays or season greetings or something like that. But Merry Christmas, uh, th- that phrase, uh, the re- some retailers attempted to scrub sort of from the uh, uh, vocabulary of, of their employees. Now, I remember one home improvement store, which shall go unnamed for the purposes of this podcast, but literally, I saw in their ad that they, at the height of this, they were advertising holiday trees. Well, it just, you know, seems silly on its face. Maybe they still do. I don't know. I don't think this particular store does. I'm sure others do. But uh, they were labeling their Christmas trees as holiday trees. And that was even sillier because when you actually went into the store, and you went to where the Christmas stuff was, um, there were the, quote, holiday trees in boxes that were labeled Christmas trees. So you saw it on the actual label. It said, this is an artificial Christmas tree, and yet the store is kind of bending over backwards to be um, correct, I guess, and, and call it a holiday tree. But, you know, eventually this whole thing just sort of, uh, you know, just just went into the realm of of getting kind of absurd, but not until – You know, a lot of talk show hosts, um, got a lot of mileage out of talking about it. And, you know, interestingly, a few authors really jumped onto it and uh, published some big selling books, uh, you know, discussing the war on Christmas, which was interesting in and of itself that you have a war on Christmas, then you have somebody writing about the war on Christmas and making a whole lot of money in return for writing about the the, uh, war on Christmas. Another topic for another day. We'll let that go on a side trail here. But since those high pro- profile days of what I call the so-called war, a large chunk of the offending retailers, you know, they've now backpedaled and they've reintroduced the term Christmas into corporate vocabularies. And now some of the changes, such as the winter break from schools, um, I still see winter break all over the place. On school calendars and, and marquees and stuff like that. So those type of changes seem more or less permanent. Now, you know all in all, uh, there's enough win and loss on both sides of, of this whole debate that the different camps that really made a big issue out of this can, can claim victory one way or the other. Now, here's where this relates to uh, the cultural discussion. From my perspective, you know, honestly, I believe the battle over whether to use the term Christmas quote-unquote, is for the most part, it's finished. In my estimation, Christmas is back. I mean, it's the term people know. I think retailers recognize that. It's the term most people are comfortable with. And absolutely, there are retailers that are never again going to use the term Christmas. But, you know, honestly... um, Why would that surprise any of us? I mean, I can, I can name some retailers that I would be shocked if they actually use the term Christmas. So, you know, whatever they want to call it, I mean, I'm, you know, that's, that's what they're going to do. But most retailers, at least the ones that I'm seeing, are perfectly fine with uh, using the term Christmas. The term Christmas, it's safe to use again. But here's the truth. While there are skirmishes that continue to flare up here and there, over what we should actually call the holiday falling on on December 25th, the real dialogue shifted a long time ago from what do we call the holiday. And instead, the new new question is really, what does Christmas even mean? Now, I hope you're kind of following along with my uh, logic on this. If not, (laughs) I'm just doing a really bad job of explaining it, I guess. But here's the point I'm trying to make we get all caught up on what's the holiday called, and it should be called Christmas. It's Christmas. I'm not arguing that point at all, against that point. But here's what I'm saying. In the culture right now, the real, the real issue is what does Christmas even mean? Because honestly, in a post-Christian culture, a lot of folks don't care what you call the holiday. All that matters is what is it called and whether it has anything to do with Christ at all. So more to the point, A large portion of our culture today sees Christmas as the season for Hallmark movies. Ah, Hallmark movies with those endless piano soundtracks playing in the background. Um, Just, I'm not going to go down that trail either. I'm just going to let that go right where it's at. But endless Hallmark movies, put it that way. Or it's the season of the new Star Wars sequel coming out or Black Friday shopping or the newest smartphone release or... I get the impression that well, half of all Americans have a Lexus in the driveway with a big bow tied on it on Christmas morning. You see those commercials? Brand new car, driveway, Christmas morning, everybody's happy. Um, to a lot of folks, that's what Christmas is about today. I'm just telling you, that's what Christmas is about to a lot of folks. So that makes the point that I'm trying to arrive at, and that is that the definition of Christmas is what's important, not exactly what it's called So can you have all of these things and still celebrate the birth of Jesus? Okay, can you watch a Hallmark movie and still celebrate Jesus? Well, absolutely. Can you watch Star Wars? Can you have a Lexus in the driveway or whatever you want in the driveway? Well, absolutely you can. Who's going to argue against that? Maybe somebody, but I'm not going to. Absolutely you can have that stuff. It occurs to me that in a culture that's drifted so far away from the dock of absolute truth that when we hear the phrase tossed about sometimes that, The phrase of, quote, the true meaning of Christmas in a culture that's drifted away from what absolute truth even means. I'm just here. I think the actual term, true meaning of Christmas, is itself in danger of becoming a meaningless term. Who defines what is true? That's exactly the point. And it's a point that retailers and agents of cultural change understand very, very well – Therefore, you can still use the term Christmas and be comfortable with it if it means something totally unrelated to Christ in your mind and in the minds of those that you are advertising to. And so it's against this backdrop of war and culture and who's defining what. It's against this particular backdrop that I believe it's important today, this Christmas, Christmas 2017, I believe it's important. Let's take a step back today and reflect on the truth of what that the real Christmas war, the real Christmas war, is not about what retailers print in their ads or how schools define this time of the year. The real Christmas war began four thousand years before Jesus' birth, when one man and one woman willfully willfully shook their fist in the face of God in a moment of what I like to call unbridled treason. And it was at that particular moment, in a garden far more beautiful than any of us can can comprehend, it was in that moment that the bridge between God and man was broken in two. And when that happened, it exposed this horrific divide that no mere man or woman could ever cross again in his or her own power. Right there in the painful aftermath of the rebellion, was when the war began, and God, who spoke the entire world into existence, made the promise of a coming one, the seed of the woman, who would one day crush the power of sin and death. So the war began, and the war continued. And you know, as as history moved on. There would be there would be these deliverers. There would be kings. There'd be prophets. There'd be judges. They would rise up. And they'd all be pointing to another day somewhere down the road when the coming king would appear. And there were all of these strange and mysterious utterances of a child who would be born of a virgin. I mean, Imagine people just trying to get their head around that. Um, they're hearing these prophetic utterances. There's going to be a child born of a virgin. How can it possibly be? And then they, they were reading um, these stories about someone who would be called a wonderful counselor, a prince of peace, a mighty God. And then really, really strangely, he would be called a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Wow. Doesn't sound much like the Christmas story. This is the Christmas story. Men and angels. I mean, just just get this. Men and angels longed to know what all of this meant. But they, they couldn't see the full picture. They were getting these bits and pieces. And the centuries passed. And the rebellion had already occurred. There was a coming one. The centuries passed. And the war continued. And it went on and it went on. And then it happened. On a night when no one was watching. After 400 years of prophetic silence since the last prophetic utterance of a coming Messiah. 400 years of prophetic silence. Imagine that. A young pregnant virgin and her beloved betrothed Joseph came to the insignificant but prophesied village of Bethlehem. And what they found was that not one soul greeted the soon-to-be-born king's arrival. in fact, there wasn't even any room for him. And so it was here, in the prophesied Bethlehem, in a shelter that was meant for beasts of the field. The Bible doesn't describe what that shelter was at all. We think it was probably uh, some type of, of stable environment for animals. may have been uh, just a, a cave in the side of a rock someplace. Uh, it's not described. But the point was that there was no room for Mary... Joseph and the unborn king. And so the great king was born in some type of shelter, laid in a manger, a feeding trough. He was born in a place that was meant for beasts of the field. And despite this, all of heaven burst forth in this radiant joy, and this mighty star appeared in the night sky, and the world changed forever with the sound of a newborn baby's cry. The manger was not the end of the war. Because it could not bridge the gap between God and man. So here was this king arriving onto the scene, but the war was not yet over. And in fact, it actually grew more intense. When you read the scriptural account of this, what you see is that the young king's family had to flee to Egypt to save the king's life as this this madman, this Herod the Great, devastated the village of his birth with this vicious decree intended to crush the king's mission at its very root. And the wailing of mournful mothers in Bethlehem and the the area surrounding it was confirmation that the manger was not the end of the war, and so the war continued. And you know, it's it's just from, from those years going forward, so little is known about the years of this young king's life as he grew from a child... Into a young man. And with the manger of Bethlehem so far behind him, this king now burst onto the stage by giving sight to the blind. He was opening the ears of the deaf. He was heal- healing the lame. He was embracing those who were the most despised in the culture. He actually dined with outcasts. He fed multitudes. Multitudes who kept coming back wanting more. They didn't get what he was trying to teach them, but he fed the multitudes and felt compassion for them. He calmed the seas, even raised the dead. All of this, all of this, was a great precursor to where the war was taking him. The war was taking the king on a path on which none of us would ever choose to walk. I wouldn't and you wouldn't a place where his closest friends would betray him, where soldiers would beat him with their fist, where religious leaders would mock him, even thieves on the cross would mock him, and where the multitudes who saw his healing works, many of them who shouted Hosanna just a few days earlier, were now shouting, crucify him, crucify him. This was the path on which this king had walked Since his birth in Bethlehem. And so the great king would hang on a cross. He wasn't wearing a a crown of gold and jewels. But a twisted crown of thorns. And it was there at this cross. That the mother who gave birth to him in that Bethlehem stable so long ago. Surely sank to her knees in unspeakable pain. As she watched the sun as she once carried within her womb, cry out, It is finished. It is finished. And it was here that the great king willingly took the punishment for our rebellion so that all who would believe on him would find the gap on the bridge between God and man had been finally and fully repaired. The real Christmas war has been won. Glory to God in the highest. May you have a blessed Christmas. Thank you for listening to today's special Christmas podcast. Please check us out at lovetimes2.org. Like us on Facebook. 2018, we're looking forward to a big year. We're looking for God to do amazing things. Always, always, always remember, change the culture and the politics will follow. This has been 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, and the number 2.org. Thanks for listening.